My guests today are Dr. Sean Dill and Dr. Lacey Book. As chiropractors by profession, Sean and Lacey have spent many years serving their community through chiropractic care, international outreach programs, and promoting a healthy lifestyle. Today, they are the owners of the Specific Chiropractic Centers, a franchise which now operates multiple knee, chest, upper cervical specific clinics across the U.S. They are also the founders of Black Diamond Club, a community of service professionals aiming to reach more people, make a bigger impact, and to create a lifestyle that they deserve. Through coaching, consulting, and interactive live events, they have received the honor and pleasure of making an impact in the lives of hundreds of service-based entrepreneurs all over the world. Both Sean and Lacey continue to be highly sought speakers, making numerous international appearances each year. Their work is driven by relationships, collaboration, and their mission where health and success are known as fundamental truths rather than fundamental pursuits. I had a blast speaking with Sean and Lacey. They are such a great power couple. Their energy is amazing. I really love the integrity and authenticity they brought to this show. Now sit back and enjoy this episode with Sean Dill and Lacey Book. John, Lacey, thanks for joining me on the podcast. I'm super excited. After I went and looked at everything that you guys are doing, it's like I probably need a week with you <laughs> on air. Um, I'm exhausted, actually, from my research, but I'm excited about this. So welcome to the show. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Boy, that's that's a I never heard that before, I don't think. We hear stuff similar to that, I would say, though. It Maybe takes I'm a little while. It takes a little while for us to explain what we do sometimes. Yeah, I get that. There's a lot going on. So uh I'm gonna jump right in. I might have a different approach than some podcasters. For me, it's really about the origin of where you came from because I think that's missed a lot of times. And I like people that are listening to the podcast as either entrepreneurs that are in the, in the throes of it and trying to figure stuff out or they're, they're on their way up or people that are on the sidelines going, man, do I really want to do this? I hear how hard it is to be an entrepreneur. And, um, and I'm one myself, so I know what it's like. And I would love to at least get your history first. And if you want, you can, obviously you probably need to both do it separately because you, you didn't, all of a sudden just appear together as this good looking power couple that you are. And so I'd like to hear a little bit about each of your story and then the connection, and then we'll go from there. And I promise I won't miss anything. I have a ton of notes. So I, either of you can go first, whoever wants to. Well, Sean is a couple years on me, so I'll let him go first. <laughs> chronological order. Okay. Go chronological order. Um, well, my, I'll accelerate through the early stages of, of my entrepreneurial development. Um, not too much, graduated- though. Because, not too much, because it's a, I, I like to know who you were when you grew up. Like, mm. it's important oh, okay. because I think, you know, people just think all of a sudden, hey, Sean and Lacey had it lucky. They they had rich parents and they grew up in an affluent neighborhood. And Sean's trajectory was to be a chiropractor the moment he was born. And, and I think it's important for people to know that it's not that easy and not everyone, most of us don't come from that sort of direction early on. Okay. Well, my, both of my parents worked nine to five jobs, super important. Um, 
And I, I would say we were sort of just middle class, maybe just above middle class, not definitely not upper middle class. I distinctly remember um, for my age, wanting designer jeans, Jordache jeans, and I was allowed a pair of Jordache jeans, but my friends, they wore Jordache jeans every day. And so unless I wore the same jeans every day, I, I wasn't wearing designer jeans every day, hated to wear the Lee jeans. Um, I worked, one of the things that's super important is I worked um, during high school shining shoes at a country club in Fort Wayne, Indiana. That was sort of my first real job um, making money. Of course, I mowed yards, but nothing like nothing super sexy from the entrepreneurial space. I was, I had a job, but what I, what I noticed was that the members at the country club, they were able to play golf on Wednesdays and Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays. And there I was shining their shoes every day. And something sort of sparked in me um, that made me wonder how they had that lifestyle. I know that you've had conversations with Steve Sims. Um, a similar thing, I think that people um, people have that um, sort of that moment when they question what makes you so different than me. So that was sort of my moment. I, I fell in love with this idea. I was like, I think that if you're truly have made it in my life, granted, you know, 16 years old, I, I thought like, well, then you could have a country club membership and you can um, play golf on Wednesdays and Fridays. That became something that was super important to me um, at a very early age. Now, I didn't play golf at that time. I was shining shoes. Um, but then I, I went on. My cousin was a chiropractor. Um, this was during the 80s. In the chiropractic space, the 1980s um, are known as the Mercedes 80s because insurance reimbursement was high. My cousin drove three BMWs. I think he had two BMW cars and he had a BMW motorcycle and his license plate was three BMWs. Three BMWs. And I thought, well, that's really cool. You must, you know, really, you know, do well if you if you're a chiropractor. I had a chiropractic experience. Um, and then my cousin really encouraged me to go to chiropractic college, go to chiropractic college. I'm very passionate about chiropractic, but what I realize is that just like culinary arts school, when you go to culinary arts school, you're being taught how to be a great chef. And every great chef's dream is to own their own restaurant. Mm -hmm. Well, the same thing in, in professional trade schools. If you go to become a dentist, a chiropractor, medical doctor, lawyer, they teach you how to be a great practitioner. And of course, every practitioner's dream is to own their own place. But I didn't really have the business education that um, would be necessary to be successful. I graduated chiropractic college at the age of 24. Um, I knew everything there was to know in the world at 24. I mean, you just, that's it. You know everything. So I moved from the United States to Costa Rica. Um, I didn't speak any Spanish where Costa Rica, the primary language is Spanish, but you know, you figure that out later. And my first year in business um, was absolutely terrible. Um, it was just, it, it was terrible. I ended that year um, wondering if I made the right decision, one, to be a chiropractor, two, to be in business. And I had to um, make a decision like to either like, you know, bite down hard and press forward or to throw in the towel. I could probably go back to the United States and get a job working for someone else. Thankfully, for, for my sake, I decided to press forward one more time. I caught a break. I was invited to be on a television show. 
my Spanish was still pretty terrible. So the show was pretty terrible. Imagine you're interviewing me and my English was so broken <laughs> that you were trying to piece it together, right? Like that, that, that's what we did. Um, but then slowly I began to um, get my bearings with the language. I got better and my business blew up. We ended up having four uh, chiropractic offices in Costa Rica. That was sort of my first taste of um, that magic called scale. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, so we could do that. Um, end up coming back to the United States. I have two daughters and um, wanted to get them into school here. And then here, I really, that's I, when I got to the States, that was kind of why I would accelerate that. But it is important to know where someone came from. That's really when that sort of entrepreneurial bug um, started to really develop. Um, you know, I, I opened up one office and had that bug to scale. We eventually created a chiropractic franchise called the Specific Chiropractic Center. We began consulting with chiropractors and then consulting outside of the chiropractic space. Um, we've worked with some great mentors like Jay Abraham and David Meltzer, who began to encourage us to look at other verticals. So we started to get into the software space. Um, we are in the digital marketing space. We do events, um, and but they're all interrelate. So it's not like a hodgepodge of things. They they're all sort of interconnected, um, and that's sort of then that acceleration on the on the backside. Um, you know, we've just been super blessed. I think a lot of people that really had their game together did well during the pandemic. And so we were blessed through this, through this year. Um, and then of course, you know, looking ahead, trying to prepare the business for what's to come. So all that was amazing. And I appreciate you doing that for me. And I think the audience will really appreciate it. Well, the only question in the whole thing that I had, and I always hate interrupting. So I just kept quiet was why Costa Rica? It seems like such a random thing to say. <laughs> and even though I want to go there and I want to <laughs> possibly live there, I get it now, but I, at 24, why? I just told this story last night and I remember um, we also have a podcast and I appreciate when podcasts preface it and they say, I'm actually going to tell you the answer to that, like <laughs> the real answer. Um, when I was in, in St. Louis uh, at chiropractic college, my roommate, he was dating a, a, a girl and they eventually became uh, fiancés and her grandmother was the president of Nicaragua. And my roommate was like, we should go down and, and visit Nicaragua. I was like, yeah, let's do that. So we stayed, we ended up staying at her grandfather on the other side of the family at the grandfather's house. And we were invited to have a couple of meetings as we were exploring. I, I wanted to go to Nicaragua and we sat down with a guy and um, very nice. And he explained, he talked to me and he said, Sean, um, you don't want to come to Nicaragua, not safe not good, not stable. If you like Nicaragua for some reason, you should go to Costa Rica. And I was like, okay, well, that guy, his name was Popo Chamorro. And there's a book written that's called Everybody Has His Own Gringo. Well, Popo was <laughs> wow. Oliver North's contact um, in this whole Iran-Contra affair. I was sitting in this guy's office and he told me, so Popo Chamorro told me, you don't want to come to Nicaragua, go to Costa Rica. I did. Uh, a couple months later, I went to Costa Rica. Costa Rica was just absolutely beautiful. I was honestly too trying to escape um, uh, something that's it's interesting from the healthcare space. I was trying to escape the advent of managed care. This was 1995. Managed care was coming on the scene. People didn't really know what that was going to mean for the providers. And so I was like, look, I mean, again, I know everything. I, the best thing for me is to go to Costa Rica. Uh, first, it was Nicaragua. And then I was convinced by um, some very powerful people that I should go to Costa Rica instead. That's amazing. All right. Well, that's and did you end up buying any property there? Because by now, everyone wants to be there and everyone wants to own property. 
I did, but I sold that property when we moved back to the Got United it. States. Um, that was the other thing that's interesting. I worked very hard. At, you know, We may dive into that at some point here in our discussion as an entrepreneur. So people always ask me like, wow, you're in Costa Rica. Like, what's your favorite beach? And honestly, the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> I was working. Like, like even you know, we, we have a, a home in Florida, but if you're working, you're not at the beach. So you, just because you live in Florida doesn't mean you're like out renting jet skis or right. you know, doing all of these things Sun every day. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Well, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate you doing that. Lacey, it's your turn. Now I want to hear about you. Wonderful. And I'll fill in some of the gaps that Sean (laughs) glossed over um, when the two of us, you know, came together. So for me, I grew up a little bit differently. Um, I actually grew up in Silicon Valley in Northern California. And you think Silicon Valley and, you know, you think just the, the tech capital of the United States. And it really was like that. I remember when I grew up, I literally grew up around the corner from Netflix when it was in one little tiny office and I could walk there from my home. Um, but that didn't mean that I grew up with a lot of money. And so majority of my life, we actually lived off of a single family income. My mother uh, worked, my dad, my father was a lot older. And so he retired pretty early on in my childhood. And so my mom was really solely responsible for, um, you know, the money in our household, which, you know, especially in California, it didn't go very far. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I actually started working since the day I turned 14. Uh, We got some permission from the school and I worked at a really horrible, but really fun second run movie theater, Um, probably doing things that no kid should have done, but it taught me a lot, taught me a lot about customer service and um, really being able to take care of people. And honestly, I can say to this point, I've never stopped working since that day. Um, I've always been a go-getter. I think for me, because we didn't have a lot, I always just had this desire for more. And on top of that, I a lot of people out there may relate to this. Because I wanted more, I had a rebellious side of me. I always wanted to 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 break the limits, break the mold. And so I, you know, thrived in almost every job I had. When I went to undergrad, since I paid for it myself, I worked three jobs and went to school to get it done. And so I always had that like spirit in me, but I never had the knowledge or the intellect or know-how. Like I didn't know how to put it all together. And I ended up going to chiropractic school. And um, along that road is when I met Sean. And just I was just as passionate about chiropractic as he was. And ended up, we ended up working together in that office that he started in California. And then from there, that's where the two of us started our relationship and started working together as well. And I remember at that time, I mean, you want to talk about beginnings. You know, we tell this story a lot because that was in 2011 Mm -hmm. and we were in a 625 square foot apartment. I had a ton of debt coming out of school. Like chiropractors come out of school with around $250,000 in debt. He had just come to the United States quite a few years before that, but was still, I mean, really starting from scratch. So we had this 625 square foot apartment and we had the two girls, our two kids there as well. I mean, it was teeny tiny. And we always tell the story of our green couch because at that time we had no money. We had to get a hand-me-down couch from another student that was at the school that moved away. And that's what our girls slept on. 
And so oftentimes I know, and, and I love that you said that because people automatically think, well, maybe they, you know, maybe they had opportunity. I didn't, maybe they were blessed. Maybe they grew up that way. Honestly, not only did I not grow up that way, but in 2011, it was actually worse, right? Yep. We didn't know um, what we were going to do with the, or actually I didn't know, I should say I was the one in the relationship that really struggled with a lack mentality. Sean has always thought very abundantly. And so we really had to work that out in our relationship to make it work. But the other thing about us is not only were we passionate about chiropractic, we we're passionate about helping other people. And so that's what allowed us to go on that trajectory of having our chiropractic franchise and then becoming consultants for people that are service-based entrepreneurs and really growing to where we are at today. And that's how we end up sitting here before you. And so it was a, it was a lot of work, a lot of struggle, a lot of wrong decisions, but mostly just a desire and a tenacity to continue to reach more people and make an impact. Yeah. And it's so I understand why Sean got into it because he saw his cousin with the three BMWs. Right. It made sense. What triggered you to take that path? You know, it's really interesting. I was actually thinking about when he was telling that story. It's funny because I've heard that story many times. But where I grew up, because it because it was Silicon Valley, I I was surrounded by money surrounded by it. There was a lot of entrepreneurs there, a lot of people in the tech world. The high school that I went to, I I drove the cruddiest car in the whole parking lot. Like it was so bad that the it was like a, those felt ceilings. Do you remember when they yes, had that? Yes. And the glue had melted yes. off. So the, the, the liner, felt, the liner starts the yeah. liner, yeah, would be bumping my head right? and I would have to tack it up. And I think for me, I would I would boil it down to one word and it was contrast. I was able to see what those pe- what that life could look like mm-hmm. in stark contrast to where I was. And so I, I always wanted to have the opportunity in my own life, like I saw like that my that my friends had. And it wasn't that I grew up in a bad household. My parents were amazing and phenomenal. But it's just when you grow up around that, you go, how do I get that? What do I need to do? How hard do I need to work? And so I think that a lot of that um came down to it for me. That's great. So uh, Sean, real quick, you, you and I are probably close to the same age. I might even be older, but um, the, we had parents from potentially the depression era, right? Or, or at least my mother came from that. So it was always, even though they were encouraging, my father was more encouraging for some reason. It was just in his DNA. My mother was like the safety thing. Like, no, you just got to get a good job, work hard, go to school, go to co- whatever. And every time I wanted to you know, dip my toe in an entrepreneurial pool, she was always like, are you sure about this? Even as I got older, when I was literally being successful at doing various companies that I opened. So Lacey said that her parents were very supportive. How about you and, and your your parents? Yeah, my parents, I mean, and, and it's not that her parents were not supportive, but yeah. probably my parents were more supportive of, of, of just sort of the, the idea of being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. However, um, right now, as we are speaking, my parents don't really know what we do. So. <laughs> they still ask all the time. <laughs> like, what do you guys actually do? Exactly? I, I, can't, I can't blame them because if you look at the websites <laughs> and the events and all, you guys are like, my head is spinning. So I get it. 
but I, I, it, I also had, was lucky that, um, and, and I just think this about people. I think if you have a conversation with somebody and you dive deep enough, um, superstars in life have superstar characteristics and they exhibit superstar characteristics early on. Most people don't realize that they are, they themselves are superstars. Mm-hmm. But if you look at people that are successful, they had sort of these um, sort of interesting ways that they were successful. So I, I excelled um, in academics my mother told me as an adult that there were many times that she was like, Hey, are you going to study for that test? And I was like, no. And that she, she was like, it was a dilemma as a mother because she wanted me to fail. So I would learn the lesson, but I never did. And she's like, somehow you just kept, you know, getting through and I got great grades. Um, And I was successful in music. And so they, at least in the area of music, I, when I left high school, I either wanted to be a professional soccer player or a professional uh, musician playing the saxophone. Um, I went to Indiana university, which has a very good soccer team and a great music program. And it took me less than a semester to figure out that I wasn't going to be able to do either one of those. Um, And so then I had to kind of figure out, but they were always very supportive in the sense of do what you want. I think also to a a contrast, um, I didn't have any school debt. Um, compared to Lacey's 250,000. So my parents, at least, you know, they were, they were though of that mindset, right? You know, buy a house, save Mm -hmm. money, pay for your kid's education. That was the mark of success. And I was, I I was the beneficiary of that. Um, And they were also very, very supportive. I will say too. I think I'm, I think actually I'm more uh, like you, Joe. Yeah. Oh yeah. Actually. Yeah. My, my father was born in 1927. Oh, and my father was born in 1929. So, yeah. And so I actually grew up and my mother, my father, it was in his DNA to just, to just, to just love on, on me and like, just say, you can do these things. My mother was actually the worry wart. Yep. And so I always say she was one of those people that could, could find the worst case scenario in anything. Right. And I, and that, and I don't know if you can relate to that, but I meet a lot of people that, yeah, that grew up up with somebody. And so it would be like, okay, but if you do this, here's what could happen. Right. So um, it was a, it was an interesting, I think, balance that the two of them played in my, in my life. And I was in the middle of it. And so for me, I wasn't like Sean, like I, I, instead I pushed back and tried to do everything as independently as I could. Right. And so it was very different. I think growing up. God, it's so nice to meet someone who had the same dichotomy of like the father and the mother. And it was, she was so protective and so fearful because, yes. you know, she, they, they had a, an alcoholic father who left. They had to just, their my mom too. Yeah. They just scrounged for, you know, everything. It was just, it was devastating for them when they were young. So she didn't want any of those. She didn't want me to take any chances at all, but I, I was the middle child. I was the one that just constantly bucked the system and she just, yep. my poor mother, I, oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> Man, oh man. I know. I said, I told my mom too. I don't know how you, how you did it with me. No one. And then it, we fed into their worrying, mm-hmm. right? Because yep. we kept bucking back. Yep. So. Yep. Well, <laughs> you know, that's, that's awesome. So, okay. So you meet and it's, is it 2011 when you, uh, well, you met before then, but 2011 is when you kind of really started this relationship and partnership. Yeah. Is that true? 
Yeah, we met in 2006. And then I think we started dating like end of 2010. Yeah. Okay. And you had one chiropractic location out in California? Yep. Okay. So what is the conversation that happens that you say, okay, we can do more than this and we can open up either other offices of our own or we've created such a successful practice that we could actually duplicate this and franchise it. I don't know what came first or how, but I'm interested. You want to go first? first? Because there's many business out there that, that like I have a a, a entertainment booking agency and I have systems in place that if I got ran over by a bus today, literally someone could walk in and everything goes in order and it's all planned out and it's totally franchisable. If I ever wanted to do that, I'm probably too old to do something like that. So but how did you, how did this conversation happen? Because I looked and all the locations you have in some of them, you have multiple, one of the locations you have four offices alone in it, right? Four. Mm-hmm. So you guys really blew this up. And I'd love for the audience who has this maybe in the back of their mind, how does someone go about this conversation and then take those steps? And I know that's part of what you also do in your training. So we're going to get to all of that, but this interests Absolutely. me as well. So I think even if someone's listening, we are two people, but anybody listening has probably had this conversation with themselves as if, even if you're one person, sort of this, you know, right right shoulder, left shoulder, good angel, bad angel, you know, however you want to configure it. I, my role in that, that is that my mindset always has been one of super abundance I'm one that is the opposite of the risk of, you know, this is all the bad things that can happen. My position is always like, yeah, but this is all the cool stuff that could happen <laughs> if it went the other way. And that's sort of where my my focus goes. Um, Lacey can share that hers is, is different and how it's different. Um, but I always thought that, man, we could just figure this out. And then really what the, the desire was for me was to reach as many people as possible. Um, that was one of my big lessons in Costa Rica. I remember I had four offices in, in Costa Rica. There's 4 million people in Costa Rica. And what I realized was that, uh, 4 million at that time, there's probably more now. Yeah. But what I realized is that I wasn't even making a dent. I was like, we've got four. When we were busy, like my, my office was seeing 250 patient visits, patient transactions per day, oh five gosh. and a half days a week. People were pouring in and I'm like, and we're still not making a dent. Like, like it's not, we're not getting close. Like we're not, we would need to have such an incredible um, infrastructure to really reach more people. And that was sort of a big transition for me. I think that people that want to scale in the sense of multiple units, franchising, et cetera, is you come to this realization that you're just one person. There's 7 billion people on the planet. This podcast, the reason why we agree to come on it is because it amplifies our voice. The people that are listening to the podcast are the people that don't normally listen to us and vice versa, right? And so the, the effort is you know, gaining leverage by being able to scale your message for me and being in the service world to reach more people. So that was always in the back of my mind. I wanted people, I wanted to just reach more people. Now, then your question, um, so that's the pre-answer because then your question is like, so what does the conversation look like? And that's not as easy because if it were that easy, everybody would do it. I, I always say people that are in the service world that have a passion to reach a lot of people, that is the answer. Well, then why don't they do that? Because the, here's the scariest thing too, before Lacey adds sort of what that transition looked like, is that in the service world, 
if we are, if we really believe that we are impacting and changing people's lives fundamentally by whatever it is we do, whether you're a massage therapist or a hairstylist or whatever you do, like you feel like the person on the other side of the transaction, that their life is radically changed as a result of your doing it. Don't you actually have an obligation then to reach as many people as possible? And I'll add to that and scale, because this is the problem. If you were run over by a bus and you hadn't put the systems in place, then the entire thing stops with you. Even the people that you are currently serving, Mm -hmm. they just all of a sudden don't have a way to continue on. So that's always been in my mind. Now, going to Lacey and saying, yeah, let's just open up a bunch of those with zero money. That is not necessarily very well received. And so she can tell you. Yeah. (laughs) And and people ask us all the time, well, you guys work together, you do everything together, you live together. And so very early on, I mean, one of the reasons I, you know, fell in love with Sean is his, his ability, um, not just to be just a visionary, but his ability to be a strategic visionary, like to see so many moves ahead, because the way that I grew up, I was taught to look at the very thing in front of you. Right. And so, so it's a very different way of going about and doing business, not to say that I'm not a risk taker, but I just do it differently. And, um, so we were very lucky because people sh- saw the model that Sean had created with that original office and fell in love with it. It was all cash, no insurance, a very specific type of technique that we do. And they said, I, I want in on that. I want you to teach me how to do that. But here's the problem. He was still working in the office, seeing patients with me. And it doesn't matter if you're in a relationship with somebody working together or you're in a partnership with somebody working together. What we learned very quickly is that we were doing the work of one person as two people, Mm -hmm. super inefficient. And so he's like, we need to, we need to scale. We need to grow, but I'm being selfish. And I wanted him to stay and work in the office with me. And so I had a life coach uh, she was Russian, so she was very straightforward. She, <laughs> and she said she she didn't have a filter. And she literally said to me one day, she said, I want you to know that what I'm feeling is that you're holding Sean back from being able to do the thing that he's good at. I was like, that's so crazy. Why would <laughs> you say me. something like that? <laughs> right. Come on. Oh. Um, and luckily, I don't, I'm not an individual that takes things personally. And so I went home to Sean and I said, you know, Katya, you're my life coach. She said this crazy thing to me. She said, I'm holding you back. And he looked me dead in the face and he said, you are. And so the very next day, that's when he started doing his thing and he never came in the office again. And because I'm an executor and I'm really good at that and I'm great at systems and infrastructure, that's my superpower. And I recognize that. And I recognize that he's a strategic visionary by having that separation and allowing us to do what we were strongest at, I think was the catapult to allow us to scale um, that business specifically. And that is such an important thing that you just said. And I think it's the biggest problem with partnerships. And like you said, even though you're married and you're also partners in a business, I think and I learned this from a couple of restaurant owners that I'm friends with that are no longer in the business together, but just because one of them retired was that they had very strategic, um, they had like a line in the sand. And this is your side of the room. And this is my side of the room. And one of them was all front of house. And the other one was all the back end part of it. And it was, they never crossed those lines. And I think 
that's important to maybe, like you said, you, you make a list of your superpowers and you say, okay, here's all the things I'm good at. I'm going to take all of that on my shoulders as part of the business. And do you agree or disagree? These are all the things that you're really good at. You take all of those. I think that's a recipe for success. And it's so important mm -hmm. that you said that. I think that's missed a lot. Everyone, they all, it it's just like, this is big pot of soup and everybody wants to stir it and you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Let me get some of that. Yeah. And you don't know what you're getting. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I'll tell you, Joe, the other thing that we did when we learned that lesson is we translated that into our, our, the personal side of our life. And so we created very clear lines and roles and things that we do in our household as well, because that, that we want that to be just as successful as our businesses. So it's never a question of who's doing the laundry or the dishes or responsible for shopping or, you know, paying the bills. It's never like, did you do that? Why didn't you do that? We know who does what. And that helps actually in that personal side of things as well. And it was just a great lesson to adopt on both ends. See, I knew I loved you guys. Just yeah. a good looking power couple. Just, I mean, Joelle and my life partner were the exact same way. We've been together for 22 years. We we do, you know, stuff together and we just, it's just a perfect situation, but it takes like anything all the little stumbles along the way, but you figure it out. But I, it's, I love that. That's awesome. And I bet you um, the only person that has the run of the house is Dexter. The oh my gosh. Right. Dexter gets yes. away with anything. Dexter's your Yorkie, right? <laughs> How could you tell? He's here some, He's somewhere. Here. He was scratching at the door. I, I just had to tell. We're texting our team, get the, the dog. Team. Somebody needs to get the dog. <laughs> yes, awesome. he, yes, he has the run of the house. I'm sure you could tell. Right, that's awesome. Okay, so <laughs> what's the time frame when you opened up the second office or you started the franchise, however that happened? I'm just going to clarify for you on, on some of these questions. Um, my sense of time, that is my weakness. Um, so if if Lacey said it was three years after or said it was three months after, I would agree with either answer. <laughs> so I'm going to have to, if you ask me how long have no. I known Lacey, I, I don't I know. I'm exactly <laughs> the same way. When did you meet? Like where, I don't remember, sorry. <laughs> Do you want to know how bad he is actually at time that he, he thought it was the most brilliant idea. And somehow he talked me into it for us to get married on my birthday, which also happens to be new year's Eve. So he will never forget the date on any of those. That's Talk not, about a smart business. Sure, and that's not fair. She gets ripped off on two other holidays. No, that's, it's, that's what no. I'm saying. It's the world's biggest party on her birthday oh and on our anniversary. It's the best. So, oh um, so 2009 is when people started coming and saying, "I want to get in on this model." And, and, and I'm had, sorry, I, I, and I hate to interrupt you, but when you say yeah. people, because you, you brought this up a couple of times now, oh, yeah, I, I don't understand who those people would be. They wouldn't necessarily be patients. They would be people that are in the chiropractic industry, and they look at you as being, "Wow, you guys are killing it." How do I do that? Yeah, and I should probably. I, I think for context, I don't know if you said it in your in your intro, your story. But when Sean came back from Costa Rica, um, because literally he was starting over, the first thing he did was take a job at the chiropractic college. I don't know if we had mentioned nope. that before. Okay, perfect. And so he was at the chiropractic school, and he was teaching um, chiropractic philosophy, and then he was teaching like the one real business class that they had at the school. 
And so that gave him exposure to a lot of other um, chiropractic students, people that were graduating to see and understand the way that he viewed business and what we were trying to do with the specific chiropractic mm -hmm. centers. So those are the individuals that said, I want to be part of this. Got it. I see the vision. I see where you're going. I love the model. And early on, we actually had it created as a licensing model. Um, but that just gets a little bit sticky for anybody out there that's trying to scale. In a licensing model, you really have to have ownership, I guess, in all of them. Um, but a true franchise, it takes time, money, energy, and a lot of good advice to, to create it, especially in healthcare. So we had about six offices um, that were under the licensing model and we went moved into a legitimate franchise and then grew from there in 2016. Okay. And so how many do you have now? Uh, 13. Wow. That's incredible. And they span from, we have two in Hawaii um, and then they go all the way to Tennessee. So far this That's way. incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you guys are killing it. I, I love this story. And that's why I said I was so excited to have you on. And I was like, God, I'm going to need hours to interview these two. There's just like so many things. Okay, so um, the most important thing, or not the most important thing, but one thing I want to touch upon, because there's, I'm sure there, the people that are listening to this and eventually watching the YouTube version of this are going to say, how do I learn, you know, more that is not going to get covered in the short time that we have together. So you put out a book called None of Your Business in um, 2019, and it's a winning approach to turn service providers into entrepreneurs. And I love that because in, even when I listened to a little bit of your interview with Steve Sims, it was it was like uh, it's more than just, you know, providing a service. You you are um, it's not transactional. Right. It's more of like you're doing something you're passionate about. And the ultimate thing at the end is that, you know, you've helped somebody. It's that to me, that's what it is for me, for sure. With everything that I do, it's like, how can I help? Did this help? Can I help you? What you know, those sort of things. So I feel like that's the approach that's that I get from the both of you and what your book is about. So can you talk a little bit about the book? Yeah, the book definitely has um, more in depth, our story, um, plus the fundamentals that we teach from, from marketing, sales, mindset. Um, we've had to do a ton of work together as a couple on mindset, mindset. Um, you can have all of the, the right instruction and do all of the right things, but your mindset could blow that. Um, and part of that is exactly what you were talking about. Sometimes service providers shoot themselves in the foot because they want to help a lot of people. And that becomes overwhelming to the point that that desire to serve destroys the business. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you have a business hand and a service hand. Basically, these two hands are coexisting, but they really can't meet because they 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 are um, they are the antithesis. The, the business hands like we have to make money. The service hands like, well, we could just give it away for free. <laughs> Um, and so how do you reconcile that and be successful? And ultimately, um, you know, it all circles back to if you really do have this wonderful service that can change the world, um, the, the fuel that makes it go is a successful business. In all businesses, every single business in the world, the, the sole reason for their existence is to make a profit. Um, because if there is no profit, then the business can't exist and then people can't be serviced, can't be helped, can't be changed, can't be impacted. And so 
service providers really have a hard time with that. So that's why the book, right? Um, And and fundamentally, before we wrote the book, the premise was, is that the world's greatest service providers in the world live in relative obscurity. Like we don't know, you know, and I'm not knocking him. I've had the opportunity to meet him. He's a phenomenal guy, but the world doesn't know what kind of Dr. Dr. Oz is Mm -hmm. and whether he's good um, but he's on TV and that makes him in our eyes, you know, ha- uh, have a degree of you know reverence mm-hmm. for him or belief and credibility in him. But there are people that are phenomenal musicians and artists and practitioners, and hairstylists and everything. But nobody knows who they are because they refuse to embrace the business concepts that would bring their message to more people. And so that's why we wrote the book. And you hit on another thing that even at my age, it took me forever to not feel like making money was this dirty thing, right? This it's, and our mutual friend, David Meltzer, he, he talks about it in such great ways that he he expresses how you got to help yourself so you can then help others, right? You have to make sure that you and then your family, and it's just changing that whole dynamic of making money is not an awful thing and not a dirty thing. And just it, I don't know. It's, it's such a, it was such a struggle for so long. I just, I felt like, yeah, let's just give it away. Like uh, I'll do this for pennies. I just want you to be happy. And I can't, it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can't give what you don't have. Yeah. I mean, and that's a lesson that we've learned um, many times over. I mean, you can't, you can't serve out of abundance if you don't have abundance. I mean, it's very difficult and that's the best way to reach a lot of people and make a bigger impact is to be, is to be financially stable um, or financially full because then it allows you to go out there and do the things that you need to do in order to reach them. And so that's what we, that's our passion is to help uh, service entrepreneurs to really fall in love with that idea so that they can not only like touch the people and help the people that they're trying to serve, but that so they can get out of it the life that they desire too, yep. right? Because yep. they deserve it. Yep. So yeah, and that yeah, that's it. They deserve it. It's like people yeah. don't think they deserve to have this success, and right. you know whether it's business or financial or at family or whatever it might be. So it's it's amazing. The specific dot com is all about the chiropractic offices and all of the is the franchise piece of that. Is that correct? Okay, great. Correct. So we've already talked about that. So then we have, this is where it gets complicated. And this might just be because you had certain websites before other websites and then you kept one. So you have, you have one in together, right? So you have seanandlacy.com and then yeah. you have seandill.com. And then on top There's of that, we need to clean oh, all these yes. up. No. So it's just, so, and, and at the end, I'm going to do this on all the show notes and everybody will know where to find you everywhere. <laughs> so it won't matter, but <laughs> so is it important to talk about Sean and Lacey.com and Sean Dill.com at this point, or is it better to talk about the black diamond club.com? Black diamond club.com. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could talk about it all. I just don't, I, I, yeah, no. we only have a, a little bit more time and I want to make sure we get through everything. And I want to also make sure that we promote the August event coming up in Carmel, Indiana. So mm-hmm. let's talk about black diamond club, because that'll segue into what you're doing with that organization, the events that you have and all of that. Yeah, sure. Black diamond club is the place where service entrepreneurs go to receive um, instruction, marketing, sales mindset, but I think more importantly, support and accountability. 
620 plus service providers that are all there um, sharing best practices. One of the things that, you know, people always talk about that the fast food drive-through concept is not a restaurant concept. It's a banking concept. Banks really don't, few banks have that little tube thing that goes back and forth, but they were the ones that introduced this banking from your car. The restaurant industry, it was a swipe and deploy. Like that's genius. Can we put it in our, in McDonald's and then they don't have to get out of their car and come in. Um, and I always say like, Think about how much you could learn if you weren't just surrounded by people in your industry. Like you, you found out what other industries were doing well, and then you actually thought about how can you apply that into your industry. And that's really what Black Diamond Club is about: is is looking at what's working in the world. Um, you know, e-commerce. We don't sell things; we sell a service. But still, you know, people in e-commerce they really get social media advertising, um, lead gen. They get email follow-ups. They understand retention. So, if you are looking at how can I improve that, maybe it would be worthwhile looking at things that they were doing. And that's what Black Diamond Club really, really is all about. Um, it's a great place. Never will you be. Um, talked down to, never will you be looked um, down upon. But also I think really important, it's a place where you can come and also say, hey guys, I had my biggest month. I collected $250,000 in revenue this month and everybody will celebrate you as well. That's part of that too, is we don't, you know, when you're saying like the, the, the mindset around money, Oftentimes we're afraid to tell people how well we're doing because we don't want to be shot down, especially mm -hmm. by someone that we hold in high regard or that is close to us. So we've tried to create a community where we can foster that high energy and help service professionals to, to go out and reach more people. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you have this specific and you have this chiropractic franchise and you're, you're building this amazing business. When do you decide that, wait a second, this is a, a, something that it can is goes well beyond chiropractic and chiropractic offices. You are building a model of success. So all of a sudden one night you're sitting down at dinner and a glass of wine and you go, Hey, wait a second. We're once again, we need to expand our mind and say, this is, this is too narrow. Obviously we're helping all of these chiropractors build successful businesses and, and being part of our franchise but we can actually take this a step further. We can create the Black Diamond Club that actually works with all forms of entrepreneurs. So is that sort of how this came about? Well, I, I wish it was that easy or simple, but... <laughs> I, like the, I like the glass of wine I know, wine that part. could be a really like, good... Why didn't we have wine? <laughs> I, think, I think first and foremost, um, from very early on, like all of the business principles that Sean taught were not, you know from the old ways of chiropractic thinking. It wasn't from our profession and from our industry. In fact, very early on in our relationship, when we were still struggling financially, um, he wanted to hire a business coach. And he had been teaching out of Michael Port's Book Yourself Solid book for many years to all of the chiropractic students in learning how to build community and really attract their ideal client. And so he came to me one time and Again, in my lack mentality, I was like, there's no way we're ever going to be able to afford that. We can't, we can't handle that. And he said, we'll figure it out. The money will come. Mm -hmm. And we figured it out. And Sean was able to become a book yourself solid um, certified coach. And that was kind of the first movement in going, man, this stuff that's outside of our profession and our industry translates really well into what we do. But Hey, business concepts are business concepts and they actually translate into any profession. 
So we always had those thoughts, but really the story goes that there was another um, individual, another group in chiropractic that was very negative, that bashed on people, that talked down to people, that didn't support their individuals that were in the group. And one day Sean was just like, we're just going to create the exact opposite of that the exact opposite of that. And that's what, what we did. And that's how Black Diamond Club in a nutshell got started. And we want it to be everything that group was not so that people could have a place to go where they could grow, reach more people, be supported and not be ashamed. That's great. Um, when did you start Black Diamond Club? 2016. Wow. So you were already busy and you just said, let's the heck with it. Let's stack something else on. It was a need. And you know, if you listen to the people, they'll tell you what they need. Yep. And if you have the skill set to, you know, fill that gap, um, then you should. And that's what we did. Perfect. How about, uh, tell us about the summer camp 2021 that's coming up on the 13th and 14th of August in Carmel, Indiana. Well, this is edition number five of summer camp. It was started by our good friend, uh, Tristan Schaub. He had created this event, um, separate from us. It had nothing to do with us. And he wanted to create an event that brought together chiropractors and exposed them to entrepreneurs, which really fits our brand. But that mm -hmm. was, um, you know, an idea that he had birthed. The very first edition was held in Las Vegas. Um, and the keynote speaker was Grant Cardone. And a lot wow. of people were like, oh, wow, how did you get Grant Cardone? Um, the second edition had a stellar lineup. Um, Brian Tracy was one of the mm -hmm. keynotes, had multiple keynotes. Um, Tom Billu was there. I mean, it was, had a, it was an all-star lineup and it was starting to grow. And, um, Tristan at that point was a one man show. And so we saw his, his, his struggles, um, in trying to run around and put on an event of that caliber. And we were like, Hey, Lacey really gets scale and uh, process and organization and we could really help you. And so he was like, look, um, why don't you just acquire me? So we acquired the company and we kept Tristan on. Um, and then we did edition number three in Miami with um, Jay Abraham. Uh, Roger Stone spoke at that mm -hmm. one, but also Roger Love. Yep. Edition number four last year, um, right in the middle of the pandemic, um, in person, we had um, Jordan Belfort and Eric Thomas headline. And then this year we're celebrating our fifth year. Um, Carmel, Indiana is just north of Indianapolis. Just just north of Indianapolis, um, we have David Meltzer. We have Patrick Bet David, who's all over the news right now with this Trump and Obama mm -hmm. debate. Um, we have um, Steve Sims is speaking. Chris Winfield, Jen Gottlieb, John Rulin from Giftology. Just a super wow. packed lineup. Um, it is all about helping service providers. These are these are speakers that normally you would hear at an entrepreneurial mm -hmm. conference. But it's, it's helping expose service providers to these concepts and helping them understand how to apply them in their business so that they can reach even more people. That's incredible. I have no idea what the cost of this thing is, but just the fact that David Meltzer is there, I had the opportunity to spend a full day with him in his office in California. Joellen and I went out and literally shadowed him from nine o'clock in the morning. And then later on, we had drinks that night and met his wife. And it was just the most incredible thing. And that the positivity that comes from him and yes. it's just amazing. So that alone is, I don't, I don't even know what the, what it costs, but that alone is worth the price of admission. Just that alone. Well, 
I'm going to throw in there. I don't, I don't even have a link to this, but one of the things that we will be um, putting out here in the back half of the year. So if people plug in um, with Lacey and I and social media, um, we are, we are collaborating with David and we are putting on a two, two day, three night mastermind on a private Island in the Caribbean in December. So it'll be myself and Lacey and David Meltzer trapped on a private Island. Um, so that's great. You have us locked there to be able to help you to ask any questions. I mean, probably Lacey now mostly just be having cocktails. I'm sure David will be swarming. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's going to want to talk to us when he's there. But that, that's something we're super excited about being able to collaborate with him. It, it, he's amazing. Just like you said, he's in amazing. one day, imagine two days that's, and imagine, you know, you're, you're eating together. Yeah, breakfast. you're doing everything yeah. together. So we're super excited about that. And we'll have information out about that very soon. That's cool because we, Joellen and I like to go away during December because we don't really have family here in, in oh. Phoenix, Arizona. So, hey, yeah. maybe you'll get stuck with us for that trip. I would love that. Right, that would not cool. be a bad thing. No, not a, it'd be awesome. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I actually I missed you guys. You were here in Phoenix, uh, what, in March, right? You yep. ran a, an event here. So you, you, that was our first time in Phoenix in a long time. Oh yeah. yeah, we do we do three events a year. We do one on marketing, one on sales, and then one around money mindset. Mm -hmm. And we typically like to kind of move them throughout the country because we've got clients, sure. you know, from coast to coast. So Phoenix, that's where we were doing our um, money mindset workshop. Yeah, and cool. shout out to Phoenix, you guys really had it together. It wasn't super restrictive. Um, we have been very pro keeping our events going. Um, during this time and Phoenix was very cooperative. We had a really good time mm -hmm. there. So yeah, I, I mean, it's a really great, sounds like a great place to be. It is, but we, they get in trouble because they're, they are a little overzealous when the, the <laughs> day they said, take your mask off. And I went to the gym and like, so I go to lifetime. Literally I walked in, not one person had a mask. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no on-ramp folks. What's going on? Give it, it's, it was ridiculous. I was like, you're killing me. That's funny. Oh, is there anything else that I missed? What, what's the best place to to get in touch with the both of you or the specific or Black Diamond Club. And again, I'll put it all in the show notes, but um, do either of you like people to reach out on Instagram, any of that stuff? What works for you? Social media is great. You can reach me at Sean at blackdiamondclub.com. That's my email. Um, but yeah, basically we, we try to be, here's one thing that I've learned is that, um, as I've been around more successful people, uh, you mentioned, uh, David, David Meltzer, yeah, I like specifically asked him, I was like, you're giving your personal email out yeah. like all the time, all over the place, national television. You don't care. How does that work? Um, and I've just found like, man, uh, super successful people are hyper responsive. That's why they're, that's why they're successful. And so this is me getting over that. I'm giving my personal email, <laughs> Sean at blackdiamondclub.com. Um, yeah, hit me up. And um, if there's any way that I can provide value to your life, um, I will be more than happy to do that. I'm usually, I usually like, maybe once or twice a year, send out an email to just saying, you know, tell me what I can do for you. If I can do it within reason and on this day, I will comply. Um, so likewise, like if it's in within reason and I can get it done quickly, I can't take on a project, but if I can get it done quickly, make the ask, I'd be happy to help. And we're on all the social media platforms, Sean Dill, Lacey Book. I bet you could guess my email address, <laughs> Lacey at blackdiamondclub.com. Super easy. And then if you want any more information, blackdiamondclub.com is the best place to find about 
all the things we're doing. That's perfect. One question I didn't ask during the book conversation was, yeah, I know authors, when they write a book, they sh- it's a struggle. Like it's a hard thing to do. It's not as easy as people think. How, how easy was it or hard with two of you writing the same book? And, and how did you figure out who's writing what? Or did you just sit down together? It's just something that came to my brain going, God, I wanted to ask that question. I'm going to shameless plug. And if, if I can help you, although you're very well established, probably don't need my help. Um, Tucker Max from scribe. Oh yeah. I know. Um, yeah. That's how, so that's how we did the book. Um, easy the, the chain process. of the chain of command on this was Jay Abraham sat us down in his office and said, you need to write a book. And I was like, I, I, I was like, no, that way. sounds like a terrible <laughs> idea. And he was like, well, there's a lot of ways to write a book. We were introduced to Tucker by Tristan Schaub, who I mentioned earlier. Um, we hit it off. Tucker was like, yeah, let's just get this dang book done. Um, and the process with scribe is painless. I mean, they really do have it down. People that read that book after knowing me, um, they say it's, it's kind of the, you get to pick, but the book is written in my voice. Mm-hmm. And so people are like, yeah, I can hear you. It's, we don't have an audio book. If we did, I would probably be the one that reads the book, but it's super simple. We just collaborate on our ideas. You meet with the scribe people. They get the thoughts out of your collective mind, put it on the paper and write it. I highly recommend if you have a book in you, you scribe yeah. well worth the money because you'll just, it just amplifies your voice again. Yeah, that's great. I, it's so funny. I I know Tucker's program and I actually, I think I started doing it and I was like, ah, do I really have a book in me? So I, who knows? Yeah, you do, you do. <laughs> 100%. Is there anything else that I missed that you wanted to speak about before I let you go? Not me. Yeah. I think this was fantastic. You did a great fantastic. job covering a lot. All right. Well, cool. <laughs> a lot of real estate. <laughs> I, I was, yeah, it's uh, you, you are both very busy. So I was very nervous. Like, God, there's so many things I want to ask. And <laughs> we'll probably have to do this again. Cause there's, there's, Aww. there's more, but um, thank you. Thank you both so much. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. I want that event in August to, uh, to have a bunch of my listeners hopefully show up. So um Thank you again. I really appreciate it. And I wish you both all the success in the world. Thank you. Thank you for having us. If your listeners show up, we promise that we will make them feel right at home. Perfect. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I want to thank you for listening to my podcast. I know you have many options to listen to various podcasts and I'm honored that you chose to listen to mine. I would love it if you would rate my podcast five stars and write a nice review. It really helps to bring up the rankings of the podcast to other listeners. Once again, thank you so much for listening to The Joe Costello Show. I appreciate you very much.